in the Dove and Dragon Radio. I'm your host, Emma Ruschak. I'm here with special guest, Jeff Matinovich. And I probably just butchered that again. Nope, that was perfect. Oh, awesome. Now you do, uh, I, I was going through your website and you do a little bit of everything. You're in business, you're in entrepreneurship, you're in helping businesses, but you're also an author. Yes, that is so, correct. And you're also, if I read it correctly, an Air Force veteran. I am. I, uh, I had the honor of attending the Air Force Academy a uh, hundred years ago <laughs> and then uh, being involved in the first Gulf War um, before I before I got out and got into the business world. So uh, it, it, it has been an amazing honor to uh, serve the country. And uh, that's a big part of the charity and the community service stuff we get. We still get involved in. Well, thank you very much for your service. Thank you. Now, I'm betting that Air Force had something to do with what you do today. Well, that's right. Right now, uh, we do a lot of consulting and coaching and speaking and writing for businesses. And because of my background and uh, all my alumni friends, we do help out a good number of defense uh, companies supporting the Air Force, the Navy, and the Army, and, and other government branches um, through, through different types of contracts. See, it's always good to give it back to where you came from. That's right. It's been really great. My life has had a crazy last decade, but uh, my friends and my previous business associates uh, have all given me incredible opportunities. And so I've really made the decision in this next chapter of life uh, to only work on things I want to work on, but also more importantly, to only work with people we like. <laughs> that is always important. Much better. Y yes, it does. It, you cannot have a business partner or a business you know, entity that you're working with that you can't get along with the people around you. That's right. I just read today, I, maybe in the Wall Street Journal, I think it was it that, you know, people don't leave companies, people leave managers. Mm -hmm. And it really, as we all know, that is, it's all about human relations. And that's the huge positive or the negative, unfortunately. Exactly. You can have a worker at McDonald's, be a great worker with this one manager, but can't get along with this other manager. And they end up quitting because they can't get along with the boss. Exactly. Exactly. It's not the work. It's not the pay. It's not anything else. It's how we treat the employee. It's all about human relations. And unfortunately, that's lacking today. But we do have Zoom. So things are getting sort of better. Fingers that's crossed. Right. That's right. But you had the current book that you just came out with just one more. The Wisdom of Bob, and I'm not going to try to say his name. Bukovic. Russian? Um, you know, I don't even know because it's kind of a uh, it's a made up character. I, okay. I get the question a lot. Is Bob really a real person? And really, he's an amalgamation of a great number of mentors that I've uh, had the pleasure of knowing and, and been very fortunate to be mentored by. And so Bob's kind of like all those people put together trying to help out young Cole Johnson, you know, navigate this, this crazy game of life. See, that's an interesting take on getting people to have a self-help book without giving them a self-help book. Right, 
Right. Well, you know, it came to I, I've written a couple other books that are in publication. One is a business book mm -hmm. where um, it's it's called Icarus Zero to a Billion to Zero. And uh, so the first 25 of the chapters are about making a billion dollars and the other 15 are uh, not making the mistakes that I've made to lose a billion dollars. And so I had these 15 more chapters left over, which really weren't business lessons. They were a little bit more life lessons okay. and, and how to lead a, a, the better life, how to lead a life of class and grace. And, and so we created this, uh, this book, but also I remembered that humans learn best through storytelling. And we all enjoy that so much more. And what has been really amazing with the reviews on this book, we've been so fortunate that half the people that read the book just love the narrative, the story, and get all into uh, the troubles and the triumphs of the narrative, while the other half concentrate on the lessons that are kind of portrayed through the story. And, and I like to kind of think that hopefully the, the main theme is somewhere in the middle, uh, as my Father used to tell me, uh, if you're not careful, if you don't pay attention, you just might learn something here. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was kind of the uh, the emphasis of the book. Tell a good, compelling story, but also at the end kind of realize, wow, I learned a whole bunch of things I never knew when I started this book. Right. You have the analytical mind that goes to the facts of the book. Then you have the, you know, the relaxed mind that goes into the story but you actually right. pick it up the analytical when you're relaxed that's correct yeah and and you know that's what all the research says and you know we've all been learning around the campfire for millions of years mm -hmm. and so that was that was the concept and uh and just very fortunate uh we've been just overwhelmed by the reviews that you know people have really enjoyed the story also it, it Am I is a great way to navigate what you're trying to tell them because A is mindset, B is choices, and C it's who you're hanging around with. That's a great way to say it. I can I can I steal that summary there? I like go that. right ahead and steal it. <laughs> Good. Thank you. Thank you. That's a great way to describe it. I mean, it's all there. You put it in into a fictional way, but an analytical mind. That's the key to success. Who are you hanging around with? Because your uh, friends are your near, near, nah, your network is your net net worth. Right. This is said by Damon John of Boo Boo. He says it all the time on his social media and different things he does. But it's very sad. true. Who right. do you hang around with? Are you hanging around with people that will build you up or tear you down? Right. And in Bob's story through this book, um, which uh, by coincidence is very similar to my life story the last decade, uh, he was at the top of the mountain and was a big success. And he basically lost everything and is, and is sitting there at the bistro happy hours when he meets young Cole. And, you know, it's that old story that by helping Cole, he really helped himself. And the question is, you know, by the end of the story, will he have learned enough or have relearned a lot of these lessons that allow him to maybe re-enter this competitive game of life? Mm -hmm. 
And the thing is, you don't want to compete with other people. You're competing with yourself. So if you lose everything, you take everything back to ground zero, do you have the willpower to get back up to where you were? Are you going to stay at zero? That's right. And, and my quick story is that I had a billion dollar investment firm. And when the world kind of collapsed in 2008, I, I decided not to take any settlements and uh, went to trial against the United States federal government ending up being sentenced to 14 years in federal prison. So overnight from uh, running a billion dollar firm to, to going to prison. And in the, the, I was fortunate to, to eventually reverse my case twice and mm -hmm. two federal judges were removed and I was eventually sent home. But through that whole struggle, I decided every morning I had to get stronger. It's the kind of the way I tried to do it. I had to get stronger physically and intellectually and emotionally, spiritually. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was the only way I was going to get through this immense challenge. And if I could just get, you know, this much stronger every day in all three areas before I collapsed onto that steel bunk every night, I knew that tomorrow was going to be better. I could only compete with myself and I just had to get better, better every day. And eventually with a lot of grace, you know, I got, I caught some breaks and I did, was able to reverse. And again, like you were talking about only by helping 300 other inmates with their cases, did I even learn the law enough to help myself? Right. If I wouldn't have done that, I'd probably still be there. No, exactly. You have to, you, when you help others, that's when you learn what you need to grow yourself because right. you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, that's a good way. Say if it. you're helping other people, if you're putting other people's needs before your own, you're actually learning what's going to take to create the path you need in life. That's exactly right. I think I, lots of times I try to use a metaphor or an analogy of, you know, really this universe is an electrical grid mm -hmm. and it's all about math. And so, you know, we can put out positive protons or negative charged electrons. And, and whatever we put out into that grid, as we know, as many times, what comes back to us? And so I think the more we can convince ourselves to put out protons, you know, the better the result is gonna be for us. And whether that's just a law of attraction or you know, whether it is self-serving, it certainly helps a lot more people and always helps us back. Exactly. First, you have to tell the universe what you want. Then you have to know how to get there. What steps do you need to take? Is it getting an education? Is it going back to school? Is it changing your friends? Is it changing your mindset? And then you find, oh, if I help this person with this problem to take my mind off of what I'm doing, what I'm doing is coming to me more quickly than trying to just do it myself. I totally agree. You know, it's that it's that old argument of abundance versus mm -hmm. scarcity. Mm -hmm. If you have a scarcity mindset where you don't want other people to do well or you're competing with other people, then your pie is, you know, limited. It is finite. But if you think about the pie that if someone else has a slice, it doesn't take anything away from you. 
if you think the pie is infinite, the universe is infinite. So the more people you help, the more people you connect. Uh, in my investment firms, I always tell the young financial advisors in training, I say, don't try to ask people for referrals for business. Spend your whole day just giving everyone you know a referral for their business. Mm -hmm. And what happens is then you never, your entire career, have to ask for a referral if you're known to be that connector, the person at the party who is always connecting everybody to meet each other, become friends, do business with each other. And then they always remember the person that connected them. Exactly. I have connections with um, music producers. I'm not into music at all. Not what I do. But I know a few people that are musicians. Okay. So you connect the dots and go, here you go. Just, right. you know. If you want to come with me to media and do something with me, great. But here, here's a connection. You guys talk, meet up. If it works, great. If it doesn't, go your separate rates. But at the same time, you have a connection you wouldn't have two minutes ago. And you're also building that Rolodex at all times. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and then you're the one who, when everybody wants to have a party or throw a charity event, they always want to invite you because you know all those other people. Mm -hmm. it, that's the way it is, is even with what I do, do you have a number four? Do you know someone in or do you know how to get in contact with? Those are the questions we get as right. actors. But yeah. it's not being used. It's, oh, you need me for this. So how can I, you help me on this project? Right. But, you know, it's not always monetary, but it is a trade. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I was in a, a great organization called YPO, Young Presidents Organization. And the whole theme, it's, it's like a daily contest of trying to help each other more, you know, than the, than the next person. Mm -hmm. And uh, it really becomes like a culture. And, and, and again, like you said, it comes back to you 10 times over. Exactly. You have to be willing to help other people and not expect things in return. It's great when you do, because the universe does reward you for it helping does. other people. But it's not about just trying to help them because they get something out of it or you get something out of it. Right. In the book, Bob Vukovic teaches them even about car dealerships or restaurants. Mm -hmm. They all... Uh, you know, go to the same location and they all locate next to each other and then hope that each other thrive greatly mm -hmm. because they know that if they're thriving, they will also. And that's that's why it's always strange to see them all located in the same location. Mm -hmm. But it, it again, it's a two plus two equals five kind of relationship. Exactly. If you think about uh, restaurant strips, where are your restaurants at? Where are all of your car dealers at? Where's all your business-minded executives located out? We all right. flock to one area because if this one area is not working properly, everyone prospers. That's right. That's right. And then you have to understand that everybody really works in their own self-interest. Mm -hmm. You know, back in 1776, Adam Smith wrote Wealth of Nations that just said, you know, to explain the economic concept that people will work in their self-interest. So the way for us to look at it is not to be offended by it or not to think it's a bad thing, 
what we need to do is set up companies and organizations and even charities that allow people to all sit on the same side of the table working in their self-interest, which is then aligned with the common good. And if we can, unfortunately, you see so many organizations that don't figure that out and they have pay structures or, or rewarding systems that are all designed to almost have people have negative competition with each other. It is. And so if you can align everybody in your group to get paid, rewarded, et cetera, together, then it's like exponential growth versus the normal organization. I've seen it so many times in the small businesses that we help build. Uh, if you can get that right, most everything else takes care of itself. Right. If you go to the world of an author, you need to take an indie publishing company, any, you know, that has their own printers. I'm not going to name any companies here, but they have a way that the books are buried versus on the mainstream books. So right. if you're a indie author, your books already negative. You're in the negative already. Right, right. So is you have to figure out the reward system and then when you get up there you're so bitter because the reward <laughs> system right you don't want these other people to take it away from you right right yeah i was a uh, president of big brothers big sisters for many years a great charity organization mm -hmm. and we came in and you know we brought a little bit of behavioral economics into the mix there and i and i because the we were all these children were on the waiting list. We were, our budget was a disaster. And just simply by aligning how we paid people, even inside a charity, we took the whole waiting list of all these kids came on. It was a huge success. And the budget for the charity actually tripled over the next year. And it was simply by aligning everyone's self-interest together. Right. What are the self-interests? Are they there to help people or are they there for a paycheck? That's one. Right. Then you have to go to, if they're really there to help people, how many people are they willing to help? Right. Exactly. And you have to give quantitative objectives and, you know, make everything as objective as possible. Mm -hmm. So the, the boss is not controlling everybody through manipulation or subjective rewards. And then you really empower people. You allow them to achieve way more than they thought they could at the beginning. Right. You have to be able to empower your people. You have to be able to take this person that's on the low end of the totem pole and allow them a way to grow. Right. Right. In, in our uh, corporate retreats, the first slide I always put up is an upside down pyramid. And, and I say... You know, here's a, you know, a pyramid's a normal, almost mm -hmm. military style organization, top down driven. That's where all the ideas come from. Mm -hmm. And I always say like now in the upside down pyramid, here's me, I'm at the bottom. I work for everybody else. Your mm -hmm. frontline salespeople and operations people and customer service. That's really what's driving the success of the company. And that's really where all the ideas for the company should come from because right. they're closer to the client, closer to the customer. And really management should do everything they can to serve the frontline operations 
and then everybody wins. And so we always do that upside down pyramid as the first slide to get everybody's brain into the concept that, hey, while we're here for a two day retreat, gonna have a great time, but we don't wanna listen to management. We wanna listen to everybody's doing the work and knows the software, knows the customer. We wanna spend two days listening to them. Right. You want to listen to the people that have the most contact with your customers. It doesn't matter if it's a reader, book reader for reviews. It doesn't matter if it's your sales team. It doesn't matter if it's a janitor. You want to listen to the ones that have the closest relationship to the customer. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Because at the end of the day, that's who's paying the bills. The CEO, how many times as a CEO do you get to go and talk to the customer? Right. And they, they never get around to it most of the time. And then, you know, since we were talking about compensation, I, most people wouldn't think that I would support this, but it's ridiculous today how much the public sector CEO is paid relative to the workers in the company. That whole Delta has expanded so wildly when, and it's not a founder that started this company. It's somebody who's hired at Procter and Gamble or by a headhunter, you know, at McDonald's and they're make and they're making, you know, a trillion times what most of the workers in the company are. And that's where it disengage, disengages from the teamwork and from the concept that everybody's on the same side of the table. And so I, I think I'm hoping that the pendulum will swing back, that more of the people share it. I, I wrote a blog last week about everyone must have stock. And that's just my personal opinion that in in an organization, everybody needs to have some piece of ownership, whether it's profit sharing, whether it's ESOP, whether it's real stock, whatever it is, but it feels like stock. And what you see is you see this wild transformation in people. There's no, nobody's punching a time clock anymore. Sick days go rapidly down. You know, it's it's amazing to watch the transformation once people start thinking like owners. Right. And small businesses, when you incorporate, have the option to have stock options within your company. If you put that into your business plan, if you're in have that into your letters of incorporation, now you're able to give your employees part ownership, even if it's one stock and it's point zero 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 one percent of an you know, whatever, it makes it part of theirs. And right. then they can buy into it later on. Even more. That's right. The, um, I always believe, you know, the receptionist needs to have ownership in the company. Uh, in, in a couple of our firms, there was always great stories of you'd walk into our headquarters and, and the receptionist leaps out of their chair, shakes hands with the client coming in, offers them coffee, helps them out, get talks to them. And people are blown away by that. But that's because that person really takes ownership in their significant role for the company. And that's what people get upside down is think about the receptionist is pretty much the most important role in the company. It's the first face of the company. It's the first thing we talk, person we talk to. It's the first feel that we get about the company. Mm-hmm. And, and so many people miss that 
that for the companies we build, that's really one of the areas we focus on. A lot of people are kind of surprised that we do, but I think it's so, so important. Exactly. If you think about it, if you go into a store or in a business and your receptionist is rude, are you going to do business with that company? You're going to walk away. Yeah, there's. It doesn't matter how great the person is you're going to meet. Doesn't matter if it's a doctor. Doesn't matter, you know, who it is. They can be the greatest people in the world. If the receptionist is rude, you're going to go somewhere else. Absolutely, absolutely. It's just a fact. How is your CEO treating the janitor? Because if they're treating the employee great and they're putting on this front and they're treating the janitor like they're completely beneath them. Right. What are they really saying in that boardroom? Correct. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. But we are almost out of time. So where can our listeners and our viewers find you and maybe work with you down the line? Well, thank you, Melissa. Uh, The easiest way we have a whole bunch of websites and, and different companies But uh, the main repository is just a simple website of my name. So www.jeffmartinovich.com. Awesome. And thank you so much for being on the show today. Melissa, thank you so much. And I greatly appreciate you promoting all these business ideas and great authors. And I one day want to be one of them also. We will connect them on that. Thank you So, so much. For all of our listeners and our viewers, happy reading.